It's everything you've been waiting for since last Monday. Mm. Let's talk about that, Johnny. Payday. No? No, I actually get paid on Mondays. But I thought Friday was usually. Yeah, but I work on Sundays, if you know what I mean. I don't know why I get paid on Sundays. Probably why. Or on Mondays. Huh. But it's nice. Everyone else is having a Monday pay you blues. before Sunday. Like, here, please, just please finish the service. Like, they should be afraid of you. <laughs> like, make make this worthwhile. Like, in my contract, you're technically, like, if you sign, if you book me for a thing, this is kind of like inside baseball kind of stuff that's not really necessary. And maybe it sounds weird but to some people, but most artists have a thing of, like, you give the artist the check before they walk on stage. Right. Because for two reasons. One is, you that way they know you're not going to, like, you know, give them the short trend. You're just like... Yeah. You get the performance and you've not paid them. But second of all, it's like, it's just so weird to be like tracking down the booker after something's over. And you're like, well, I guess we're going to hit the road. Yeah. Um, they're like, you need help with your stuff? You're like, I think we got it. Uh, um, like, Anything else? You're like, uh, it's just weird. Remember the band days? Gosh. We, oh, yeah, all the time. All the time that happened. And they would do it on purpose sometimes. I'm convinced. Where there's like, maybe they won't mention it. Yeah. And it was usually only like $100 or $200 oh, it was a lot as it was. Yeah, it's gas money. Hey, yeah, we drove to Indiana. Don't worry about it. You know what I'm saying? It was very... <laughs> Our pleasure. We're in this 89 Toyota van. What could go wrong? Yeah. A lot went wrong, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> Too much went wrong. I'm hitting the road again this weekend for the first time in a bit. Uh, Tulsa. Owasso. Driving or flying? Flying. Nice. Uh, no. Because there's no direct, so it's like, it's two flights and a rental car. To Can, get to, did you get a rental car? Because that's kind of hard right now. It say. was, and it was tricky. Right. But I got, they're actually starting to come down a little bit, I think. Maybe that's, I, I'm, I've jinxed it now when you say wow. that. But this one was like, I caught a good window. Wow. And it was an almost normal price. Not oh. normal, but almost normal. But yeah, it's a shortage out there. Yeah. It's, you were talking about selling Laura's Denali. This is a good time to list that Denali, bro. Hey, anyone out there looking for a... These things are going way up. If you're looking for a 2004... I'm telling you, if you listed it, not just list it, but go to like Carvana or whatever, these places that buy cars, Yeah, I bet you you'll get 2,000 more than you would have. Really? Yes. People, there's no cars, Is it going to cost me 2,000 more to get her another car, though? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you're going to (laughs) be... Yeah, here. this is not going to help you in the long run. <laughs> no, the little things about the car, though, that's the thing. Uh, but we're we're just not, we've never been big car people. See, that makes me sound... Because you got a new car. It makes car. you sound like you're a better person. Well, like, we're just not big. The, we're not really into, like, I'm, materialistic I'm not trying things. to make it sound that way. That's just how it, it's just true. I can't. I like to just sit out, you know, in nature, by the pool, and just be with the Lord. <laughs> just like the just like in nature. <laughs> you know, I like to take this chlorine tablet and... Yeah, that is, that's gold, too, now, the chlorine shortage. Have you experienced that? Well, you that? know, the chlorine factory blew up, like, in Louisiana. Is whatever. that what happened? Yes. I thought it was COVID. There was a major explosion at Hold a chlorine a factory. Was this because they were trying to crank up production because of COVID? I don't so know. So is it still COVID-related? I haven't done any How investigations. How does a chlorine factory blow up? I would imagine pretty easily it's chemicals. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I don't think of it as being flammable. Because otherwise, why does your pool not catch on fire? Let me tell you something. Well, I'm just saying perhaps the ingredients or the components used to make chlorine yeah. have flammable properties, too. We sound like total idiots right now <laughs> discussing whether chlorine is flammable. But it blew up, I, I guess. I haven't set a Maybe chlorine. Maybe the construction of chlorine, the, 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 the making of chlorine. The molecular 
composition. Composition. <laughs> entire judicial system. Listen, I, I all I know is this: when yeah. you open up that box of chlorine, sure. That there's a little like lid on it, usually uh-huh. that's sealed. If you if you breathe it in, uh huh, it'll it'll just like knock you out. It's super strong. So but I've de- never lit a match while I was doing it. No, don't do that. So. You'll be like, let me see down in this box. <laughs> don't do it. I, although that's probably not. That's a stupid. Like chlorine's not flammable. Probably there's not. no way. But it blew up. There's something, no way to know. Ha- by the way, something happened. That's no right. way to know. We'll be back with a screen. We'll be testing it on YouTube, our YouTube channel. <laughs> um, that we don't have. So I when I worked at Home Depot. I was like a cashier, and then they put me in the inside. I was begging for full-time hours because I just got married. I was like, I need full-time because I wanted insurance and all the other stuff. Yeah. So they put me in the inside garden department, which was like a nightmare because I don't. you knew enough about me growing up. But like I was in my 20s when I met you, but I'm not like Mr. Like mow the grass, tell you what kind of in you know gas fire logs to buy, yeah. what chemicals kill what. Like I did not grow up with that kind of dad. Yeah, my brothers mowed the yard. They loved it. I loved mowing the yard, and I just never mowed it. So I didn't know anything about. It. But I'm now I'm selling these mowers. I'm selling pool chemicals because that was part of the garden department. And so people are like, "Is this what I need?" I go, "Absolutely, get five. You know, I don't know what I'm saying. I just, I'm, please go away or find somebody else." I was terrible. So there would be a spill sometimes where just like somebody's grabbing muriatic acid mm. off the shelf and it just another jug falls and you have a spill. Muriatic acid's like obviously it's very toxic. Right. And caustic. You're saying people were dropping acid. They're dropping acid in, in the, Home Depot. Okay. Sorry. So I you get this thing called a spill kit. You gotta run contain the damage and it's this whole thing. And then I go, Well what do I do with this like half empty bottle of muriatic acid? They go, Here's what we do. And this is like, I'm almost telling tales on Home Depot oh, here. Oh, dear. But this is what most businesses do. Guys, I'm you sure. heard it here first. Because you can't throw it away because it'll melt. Like, you can't just be like, I'll pour this in the dumpster. Someone like, call Aaron Brockovich. Like, this is going somewhere. You go, out here, they go, go into the bathroom. No. And you pour a little bit in each toilet and you flush it and it'll help. It clears up evidently like the lime scale. Like, it's like a dual function of yeah, it. It also clears up all the drinking water for yeah, everybody. But you're, we flush muriatic acid. So I go in there with this. I'm like hovering, and they go, don't breathe it in. Like, try not to breathe it in. Wow. And so I go in, I'm pouring, and then just, I, I for some reason, like I'm in this bathroom stall in clothes, and I take this deep breath. Oh. And I swear to you, I had a sore throat for like five days, just from like the fumes of this. And people use it to clean like their pavement on their around their pool, right? That's what you... Get the little scaly stains. No, That's you, what you use, muriatic acid. That's what you use it for. Well, on the you get the big brush and you scrape the... Laura is an amateur chemist. Sorry, oh. sorry honey. Laura is Chlorine a chemist. Chlorine development agent. She, she loves the pool chemical because, again, she was a nurse in science. She's making little pH levels being like, we got it. We nailed it, honey. I mean, she's got... Our pool is pregnant. Bunsen burners she's, on the... <laughs> she's got... This water's too blue. <laughs> Something's wrong. <laughs> Two lines means... Oh, my goodness. Yeah, she really like she has these apps and all these right. ways that you could use like m- like just regular things you could buy at Walmart. Yeah, instead of going and buying the expensive things from the pool store, and so um, she loves it. But I do see muriatic acid, acid, and I don't know what she does with it. Well, I'm telling you, I, people used to I, people used to sell it. People used to buy it for me, and they'd buy like a scrub brush with it. So I think huh. it's to clean the scaliness off of your like pool tiles and your the pavement around it because you get those like green. Moldy stains, yeah, and it eats all that away. Huh. But uh, again, I don't know how dangerous it was. But they just said, 
flush a little bit down the... And maybe I'm going to, like, Home Depot's going to get a class action. Or maybe it was fine. If you're putting it into pools and we're swimming in it. That's true. I mean, it dilutes it, I guess. It dilutes it enough, but it's like that concentrated amount, like, whatever you do, don't breathe it. And I'm like, okay, so take a big, deep breath. It's like when they... It's like I remember going snorkeling in Cancun, and I was like, I don't know anything about snorkeling. And they take us on this little, like, speedboat out to the Uh middle of nowhere, this coral reef. And I was like, how am I going to get all this ocean water into my lungs? And then this little Mexican guy said, Senor, your straw. And he hands me oh, this wow. gigantic straw. And sure enough, it works. Wow. Because I was fat enough that I was just below the surface of the water. So that the tip of the snorkel was right in the water. And uh, uh, I breathed, you know, about two gallons of salt water into my lungs. Did you, ever, did you blow it out uh, at the top of the snorkel? Oh, I'm sure it was like a big like, the like whale a, sighting. Right. Like it was, like, <laughs> it was not good. It, that's always a funny noise. The few times I've snorkeled. Well, here's what I felt the worst about is you know you're, you're there's the surface of the water and then you're you're in a, you have a life vest on mm. and then you're kind of just peering down at the coral reef and you're right above the edge of these rock you know coral formations and they say whatever you do, don't touch them don't brush against them because you can damage them they die like human touch and like they're the living things meanwhile like my jacket it's like okay a life jacket makes you buoyant but you're still your weight is still a factor so i was sinking lower than maybe an average human being would have you know so i'm i'm floating you but destroyed I'm still, the coral reef i'm i've there was some jostling against these, like I did extensive damage to the coral reef. Johnny, that's a state, that's a national park. You're basically. an ecological disaster. It really was. It's well, like no, no, you are an ecological. Like, what yeah, are you doing, man? I'm, I'm a flushing problem. acid, as they say. Yeah, and Johnny, I hear Johnny's been flushing acid. I've damaged, the, I've damaged the coral. Damaging the coral. What else have they you? They canceled all the tours after that. They were like, this guy. Oh my gosh. But I'm That's sorry, funny. you guys. I could go back now. I think I'd be okay. I've lost some weight. I think I could just... Did you not, like, put the strap... There's supposed to be a strap that kind of comes between your legs that holds the whole thing together. Like, that you're... The life jacket? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. All I know is, like, I was floating, but, but I was still, You should have been able to like... down float lower than the jacket. It should have been, again... I was... Buoyant like a buoy. It should have kept you... I was bobbing in there, man. It like... was... There was a lot going on, and I just... I remember feeling myself hit coral i don't know if it ever broke off but i i damaged you I, didn't say anything what are you excuse gonna excuse me sir excuse me sir i, I think i have destroyed the ocean the coral. E- the entire ecosystem right. i've put it at risk and i apologize go ahead and start over are there drinks on this tour like you just <laughs> change the subject really quick you guys got an extra bottle of water do you validate parking because my yeah that's uh that's so funny. i'm sorry but i yeah i did it it's not. A, I ruined the vacation. I've ruined vacations before. So I, we're talking about Dollywood because I went to Dollywood. Yeah, yeah. With my niece. Mm-hmm. It's my birthday and my twin brother's birthday. Yeah. So I came to Knoxville and then we go, he goes, what about Dollywood? It was like 75 degrees that day. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It's perfect. So we went to Dollywood. He's got season passes. So we got him free. Nice. Because he had like the guest pass. The niece is four going on five. She's great. Loved it. She's riding all the kitty rides. We're riding together. The bumper cars, whatever it is, all of it. It's fun. And I was remembering, though, like, I don't know if you ever know this story. So I'm like eight years old. And uh, the only this is the only time I've ever been in the hospital, except for my weight loss surgery. So I was like, as a kid, I never got like broken bones or all that kind of stuff. 
but I almost cut my toe off, my little toe. I stepped in glass. Mm. We're getting ready to go out for like a family outing, and I'm like, wait a minute, I got to go get this thing. And I ran across the street, like we were in a cul-de-sac, but I ran to the other like side street to grab this little like flag that I'd point, I'd put it in a little street line. You know how the street signs have the little holes in them? Mm. And I'd put my little flag in there. And here's the weirdest part. This is, tro- this is a true Pentecostal thing. It was a praise the Lord flag from a Kenneth Copeland rally. Wow. I distinctly remember it. And you stuck it in the streetlight. I just stuck it in there because it was like, I don't know what I thought I was doing. I was eight. I probably thought, this will win soul. I don't know. But what it did was it caused me to go get the flag because I, I, you know, you fixate on things when you're a kid. You're like, we can't leave till I get my flag. Yeah. So I run out in bare feet. Mom was like, put your shoes on. We got to leave. I run out. There's like broken glass. You know, people like throw glass or throw bottles at the car at stop signs and stuff. So there's all this like, I live in a bad neighborhood, I guess. (laughs) There are bottles at your car, you know? So there's like, I'm reaching for this flag. And then I realize after like walking back to the house, like blood is just trailing behind me. I'm losing blood. So we have to just like drop everything, wrap my toe up. It's hanging by the skin, my little little toe. Got to go get stitched back on. So we spent the whole night in the ER. Well, here's the problem. My family was loading the car. My two brothers, my dad, my mom. We were going to the circus that night. The next day, Silver Dollar City, which became Dollywood. But it was Silver Dollar City then. So I ruined not one, but two gigantic like family events. Unbelievable. Because of my dumb, like, I gotta go get a... And I cut my toe. They stitched it on. So I still got my little toe. See, that's exactly what we're talking about at lunch. Like, for me, we were talking about being a parent... And how it's just awful. Like I'm, this is confession. Yeah, it's not just the pain. The pain of my child, if she hurts herself, that's mm-hmm. a, that's a big deal. Because right. because I don't want her to feel it. But it's also then there's like maybe it's against this the sixth part of me or I don't know. But like there's also the loss and the waste of the plan. Mm-hmm. Like if we have to go be at the ER, even Laura will say this as a nurse all the time. Like, look, guys, stop running around the pool because. We're here. We don't want to spend the day in the ER. So it's not really it. Yeah. We don't want you to bust your head. That's like secondary to the. But then we're going to have to do something about right. it. And now no one's having a good time. Yeah. The truth is, we care about the head more. We care about the head, but it's also like we're out of gauze. My goodness. What are we? Gonna- we got it. There's, you know, I don't. I don't know. What I got to that- go to the gauze store. Oh, you know. No, I get it. And it's here's the thing. I blame Kenneth Copeland. It all comes back to the roots of Pentecostalism. and You cut your toe off running to get a prosperity healing preacher's flag. If only Kenneth Copeland had been there. Maybe. Who knows? Right. We could test this thing out. In theory. Well, I don't know. I don't know, man. Kenneth Copeland, man. Yeah. He had these little flags he would give out. And uh, they weren't. This is before, I guess, nationalism was really, really took hold at some of these things, uh-huh. or it would have just been like an American flag with like Jesus for the stars or something, whatever they've merged uh-huh. it into now, or whatever. Speaking of, okay, there is a house in Mount Juliet. Yeah, they call the rising sun. I'm sorry, uh, and it is I, I, Johnny. There is a huge cross in the front yard. Yeah, and. I've never seen this before, but it's bothering me a lot. Coming out of the top of the cross okay. is a flag pole. Huh. With a don't tread on me flag. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a new one. And then the American flag above that. That is something. So the American flag and the don't tread on me flag. I need a, I need a, this is an Instagram post. We need a photo of this. It's just... flying above the cross of Jesus Christ. Yeah. 
And I just, I'm, I'm sure the person putting it up is not. I'm sure as Jesus was being crucified, he thought, don't tread on me. I'm sure. <laughs> give me liberty or give me death. It, it, there, there seems to me to be a lot of juxtaposed messaging. There is going on there. I'm, is. That may be a really mild. Whenever way. I see, here's the and it sounds like I'm just picking on libertarians, and I'm not because I used to be one. But it is fascinating to me that whenever I see the "Don't Tread on Me" license plate, mm-hmm. the driver is driving so great. Like the only one time I saw it was last month, and I almost a guy he revved his engine at me at a stoplight, and I was on my bike, as if to say, like, move it or I will run this over you. Threatening like he was, you with my engine. He was threatening me with his engine, and then he, when he finally sped by me, I looked, and he had a "Don't Tread on Me" license plate. And I took, I put a post on Instagram, and I was like, "The guy that just nearly hit me had this license plate because, of course, he did." Right. And then some people took offense to that, like I was just, you know, broad brushing every libertarian as being like a jackass on the road. But the truth is, it happened. That was a real story. Right. He almost tread on you with the tread. <laughs> actually almost tread as well. Yeah. yeah. No, I just, I don't know. People always, I think there's that conversation or that question. You hear this. No one could even define Christian nationalism. What does that even mean? <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, that's, that would be yeah, a good that's a visual. Good, yeah. Like of, if you're going to. That's your exhibit A right there. If you're going to like hold sacred the symbol of the cross. Okay. Which I even, you know, the symbol of the cross, interesting thing. We talk about this in staff a lot. We talk about this in our church. You know, we're not a church with a lot of crosses mm-hmm. around here. Um, and it's not because we're anti-cross, obviously. It's like, it's not like that Jesus, though, we don't see anywhere in Scripture where Jesus is like, and also, make sure you all use this symbol. You know, mm-hmm. like those things developed historically and culturally. Um, and sometimes people use the symbol of the cross, you know, really more for a fashion statement or for, other, or some people then they'll think that there is something uniquely sacred or divine or even empowered about a cross. Yeah. Like, I've had, I used to have kids a lot do that they would think either a bible in their hand or a cross in their hand if they were feeling uh fearful or felt that there was something evil present mm-hmm. it's because it's like this mix of pop culture movies right these, the exorcist and, right if i hold this up yeah then that's going to protect me more regardless of what i even think about it or right you know, and there used think, to be a deep thoughts with jack handy where he said i wish i had a kryptonite, kryptonite cross because it would protect me from uh uh, Dracula and Superman. <laughs> like, well, that is a, <laughs> well, a double whammy. That'll do it. Yeah, I just don't know, like, from a theological standpoint, I'm like, okay, well, I've said the symbol of the cross and what it represents. I'm, I mean, it's the very essence of everything yeah. that I live for, that that it brings me life. It in and of itself is, but it's not it, it's what it represents. Um, I think the same thing can be said for flags, you know, to some extent. That but it's that thing of putting them all on the same level. That's the kind of, that's where you would have the issue. Yeah, well, my well, and no, to, to see no incongruity with them and be like, oh, well, of course, I'm going to be this staunch, don't tread on me guy, while also having a symbol of somebody who laid down their life for someone else, while also having the symbol of freedom in America. It's like, okay, this is a very like interesting juxtaposition. Yeah, I think I would disagree on one point that they weren't on the same level. Right, one that's was above. a bigger problem. Yeah. I have. We're just having them in the same totem. Yes, having them together weird. as if they go together. I have a little. Uh, again, I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm just saying scripturally they don't go together. Yeah, like there's like they might go together culturally. Scripturally, they don't. Um, that does not mean that God hasn't blessed America or people or other nations. Right, like God blesses people. 
And I do believe, God, that nations rise and fall and all those things. But to say, to say like that this one's, this particular flag is different to God than other particular flags, I think is, is really bringing God down to a cultural level that mm-hmm. I think you'd have a hard time theologically or biblically proving. And I think that much like the last episode, we talked about like, hey, are you going to let people dance in the sanctuary or not? If you're going to, whatever decision you make, you need to have a really good actual theological reason why, because that's important. It's not just deconstruction. It's it's actually like realizing what it is, keeping the thing that you actually believe at the center of it. And sometimes you're not really sure what you actually believe because of your perceived beliefs. So the perceived belief of a lot of us is, well, of course not into Christian nationalism. But the actual belief may be that there's a lot of practices going on around mm-hmm. us that we don't recognize as that because we're so close to them or they're so familiar. So that to, to put a, a flag above the cross, um, I think is – if you're going for symbolism, which is what all of those things are. So there's not, I'm, I'm not against symbolism. I'm not against the flag or against the cross. But if you're going to go for symbolism, then you need to recognize the symbolism of what you're doing yeah. when one's above the other. In fact, I want to make a really bold statement, a really yeah, bold statement. I don't know if I'm going to be on this episode anymore. Like I had this conversation with someone the other day who who would be surprising to you. Uh, and I just said, you know, the deal is, like, say the Christian flag, okay? The Christian flag, which you get a ni- – it's a 1900s thing. It's a 20th century thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the Pledge of Allegiance, a 20th century thing, okay? Like these things are not founding fathers' things. Right. Um, and – you know, so the flag obviously was a founding father thing. The American flag, you know, has it changed? But um, the, the, these are these are very 20th century features. In fact, in God we trust, I believe that might have been 1860s. Actually, I got to go back and look. But one nation under God, I think under God was added in like 1950s. 50s, if I remember. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, even when the pledge was, it took 50 years for that phrase to be put in. So you, you see a lot of these these obviously believe in living under God. It's not that, but the moment that that began to be mixed as a part of our national identity, when all people of all, uh, when we say we have a place with freedom of religion, which is a huge part of the founding father's vision of it, um, freedom to what it really meant was that the government cannot force you to worship a certain way. That was really the intent of that. Yeah. Meaning that you know the, the 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 state has nothing to do with what it is you believe about God or don't believe about God. So you may disagree with someone's belief about God, but the founding fathers would say, excuse me, the founders would say, hey, that that belief is not something the state can regulate mm-hmm. or mandate, you know, or have an involvement in. Um, and so that's the intent of of those things. Though the term separation of church and state is not found in the Constitution or anything like that. So anyway, just that that backstory on that, but. The, if if we're going to go to the symbol of the Christian flag, that they'll get just a you know church in town with an American flag and a Christian flag hanging on their flagpole, and I'm yeah. not, they don't mean anything by, by it. But in theory, if you really this is what I thought the other day, it's going to sound so radical. I want to ask the question: Why this sounds so radical? I think that's really what I'm getting at. In theory, if you believe in the symbolism of both of those flags, why is the American flag flying above the Christian? Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, if I were to like go to the state legislature and say, I have a bill I'd like to introduce to fly the Christian flag above the American flag, I'd be run out of town on a rail right. by Christians. Yeah. That would be the thing. Like, It's such a tradition yeah. that feels so sacred. It's entrenched. But yeah. there's a symbolism to it that's saying, 
you know, we're not, even if we say God and country, what we have Warms on our flagpole is other. country and God. And so I'm not actually for those two flags going together at all, if possible. I think that, you know, put them on two separate if you're going to do that. But, well, yeah, but the rules of flags, like we get into these legalistic sort mm-hmm. of things that are human cultural boundaries, not scriptural ones. And, and again, a, a, with an understanding of history, you go, yeah, this wasn't always this way. This feels like it's been lasting forever this way. Again, that didn't come around to the 1900s. Yeah, most cultural moments, though, feel that way. You're like, oh, well, it's probably always this been this way. And then you find out, like, how finite everything really is. And yeah. How, yeah. Well, I mean, the biggest example of that we talked about so many times, but man, I can't get over the Nathan Bedford Forrest bust yeah. that's in the state capitol that was not put in there till 1987. Right. 121 years. Yeah. Or two, two years after the end of the Civil War. And Nathan Bedford Forrest in full Confederate general right. regalia. Like the 80, 87, that's like. The Cosby Show was number one. That's somebody that saw a Cosby Show, but someone was like, "This won't do." Yeah, <laughs> they like it's a reaction. Oh goodness, it's a reaction to Cliff Hub Cuxtable. And to say, "Oh, I'm taking that down," is rewriting history. You're like, "Whoa, whoa, that that's not even in what recent people, history." Yeah, yeah, that's that's like in your. It's a minute ago. Yeah, I was in what I don't know what grade it had been. I was eleven. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and look how young I am, Johnny. Right, I forgot. Right, but it's it's you just go, yeah, just because it has. Just because it's engraved or just because it hangs on a flagpole or just because yeah. it, it has a monument, it doesn't make it the way it always has been. It may still be pretty recent, even in light of history. Mm. Um, and, and you got to know what was the purpose of it. If it's, if it's put there, <laughs> what, what is its purpose? That's always – and I was writing about that in the book. There's that story that I looked up and verified. And whether or not it's true, I don't know, but it's been verified in, in sources that uh, at the end of his life – Nathan Bedford Forrest actually recanted yeah. racism and repented right. and had like a religious experience and actually was invited to speak uh, at an NAACP. I don't know if that was what was called then, but that was the originate, originating organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spoke to them. And then um, at the end, like uh, one of the, the little black girls brought him some flowers. To I thank remember him, this story. Yeah. He, he got, kissed her on the cheek. It was like this very tender, gentle uh-huh. Thing, and I was like, "Well, then, if you're going to put up a, bu- a bust of Nathan Bedford Forrest, put up a yeah, bust of him that kneeling down and humbly, you know, showing affection and gentleness towards a little black girl." But no, I, have him with a crazy look in his eye on, on a, top a horse, horse, right? In Civil War regalia, <laughs> right? That proves your that proves the moment is not about honoring right. his life as a whole. It's about honoring that segment of his life. Yeah, when he was the most racist. And even he, by the way, got out of the KKK because they got so um, – I watched a Ken Burns documentary from like – I think it's from the early 90s. Yeah. Some of it, again, that was some of the history. It, it ages okay. It ages okay in places. But one, he just said – they said you know, he got out because the KKK was so extreme. And there's, there's some thoughts on the fact that he got out because the KKK was under indictment, a lot of them. Oh, wow. And so he distanced himself and – you know, he did not want them to go as far as did, but they weren't being smart about a lot of it. You know, but mm-hmm. he did apparently have a change of heart. But dude, I was driving back from Mississippi from that book meeting the other day about our book on racism, and I'm driving through Tennessee, and I see Fort Pillow, mm. historical. You know, it's the the remains right, of the fort, which is where he committed more crimes, and and that's where like you know more than 300 black soldiers surrendered, and and basically they just massacred them where they. 
on their knees, yeah, war crimes, and then no lie, Johnny. Probably less than an hour later, I passed Nathan Bedford Forest State Park, and I just began to put two and two together that there's probably a reason in our history of Tennessee that Nathan Bedford Forest's name is named after the state park closest to Fort Pillow. Yeah, it's not a good reason, right? I just it, maybe there's a coincidence it's there. That thing of like. I don't want to forget history, but it's like, be careful what you are celebrating and commemorating. Yeah. It's like, we're not talking about like, oh, well, if you take these down, you're you're erasing history, blah, blah, blah. It's like, we're talking about these people being placed in a position of honor. Yeah. We're not talking about, this is where a horrible massacre happened. Let's learn from it. So it never, we're not talking about a Holocaust museum. We're talking about a state park named after you to honor you. To honor. And it's near the area of we the gotta greatest. We got to be careful what we honor. Yeah. Remembering and honoring are two different things. And, and, and that's something. Always be aware when someone tells you what you should never forget and they tell you what you should never remember. Yeah. That, 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 those are dangerous things. If someone tells you never forget 9-11, mm-hmm. but yeah, don't worry about the Tulsa yeah. Race Massacre or Fort Pillow. Like, let's leave the past in the past. You know, and I think, I think that there's a – it's interesting, too. There's a book I was reading uh, by Jamar Tisby uh, called How to Fight Racism. And um, he was talking about – I thought this is really cool – the movement – among lots of organizations, individuals to there's actually a website. And I have to, I'm sorry, I can't say it from memory. Maybe I can offer it later. Um, where you can go back and find out which native or indigenous peoples lived where you are, hmm. like who they actually were, what they actually you know were about, what they were doing in all the places that are around us now. But it's a way to to remember that, like even. What are we honoring? That, that that entire part of our history is so often yeah just completely scrubbed. forgotten and scrubbed. Right. It's easy to think. Even as we do have talk about short memories, I think about that too. Like you have this tendency to believe that like your parents' life began the day you were born. Even right. Like you don't. Th- it's hard to think of your mother as a teenager. Yeah. Like she had hopes and dreams and fears, and yep. she went through all that mm. because you think of like your mom is like your mom. Yeah, she was born when you were born, and she was always this age, and she always had this level of whatever it is. So yeah, so yeah, we have a very like it's hard for us to grasp history at all, even in our own lives, our personal lives. Well, and you know, a young kid has no object permanence, and I think that an immature, emotional place has no historical permanence in some ways. Like no idea. There's of your book right there. Where someone lights in this, yeah. or that they, you know, we talk about that Benjamin Franklin who started off, you know. Um, brokering the slave trade, mm-hmm. you know, the the sale of certain slaves. And by the end, he's the head of the abolitionist society out of Philadelphia. He had a change of heart. Well, what do you do? You know, you, you have to acknowledge that there was more than one thing that happened in that guy's yeah. life over the mm-hmm. course of time. And I think that, yeah, and I think it's such a wise thing. When you're a parent, that's the thing I'll tell Sadie all the time and Joe and Jess, I'll be like, you know what's going to be crazy is when you turn like 25 and you realize the whole time your parents were way cooler than you. Like I'll make some, y'all just, yeah. you know, you won't, when you look up and realize, oh my gosh, my parents were amazing, you know, because there's no, and I, I mean, I'm joking with her. I'm like, but there's no way you could know the life of like, she'll say something about teenagers and I'll go, you know, I had 500 teenagers that went through that in, my, in the course of right, my ministry. Right. Like, let me tell you some stories, but I try to, I can't, I can't yeah, do that. I won't, but it's very like, I'm sitting here going, yep. Seen that my entire Isn't life. A Twain when, quote about that, about how, like when I was, when I was 18, I thought my parents were the stupidest people on earth, but by the time I was 25, 
and I came back home, I was amazed at how much they'd learned. <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah. this idea of the perspective you get. Yeah. 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 It's that Mark Twain. He's going to make it. Do you ever think he wrote a quote was like, that's going to be a good one? Like, you know, <laughs> did he know? So there, my next Ken Burns documentary is probably going to be the Mark Twain one. Oh, wow. If you okay. go to Prime yeah. Video, there's a whole thing on documentaries there out of PBS. We just watched a nine-part Civil War. Yeah. Dude. I don't know if I could get into nine parts of Civil War, uh, but maybe. Well, we fall asleep every night. Yeah. So then you're like, You oh, wake up, bombs are going off, cannons. Yeah. The footage is Sweet dreams, sweetheart. <laughs> you just like trail off as... In like Legs nine, are being cut off in tents. See, like 1939, I guess somewhere, there were the 75th anniversary, and there were still guys alive in their uniforms. They would do reenactments, and, they would do the, and this north and southern soldiers would come together and like wear it. Like Pickett's Charge at Gettysburg, like across the wall. They'd shake hands huh. in their uniforms, these old guys, you know, and you're just looking at the footage. Unbelievable stuff That's to crazy. see. Now, I've told this story before, but it's worth repeating, Johnny. Okay. The coolest story like that of history ever, ever, I should yeah. tell my history class is this, is Lincoln, when Lincoln was shot, it was such a devastating thing to the nation that his body basically went on tour. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they put him on a train and he went, because he was buried in Illinois where he was born, but he laid, he lay in state, like in multiple places. I think he lay in state both in uh, in the in Washington and then also You want to be at the front end of that tour and not like the last city. Well, that's the thing. So they re-embalmed him on the train oh, wow. multiple times huh. because he took it was, took so long to bury him in the this nation. This is what I want to do. This is how I want to go out. Oh, it's my goodness. a complicated legacy for me. Yeah. Like, do you want to be buried or cremated? You know what I want? Keep- hey, read this book about Lincoln. <laughs> I want to go on tour. He did. And so um, they finally buried him. And then in like, and I can't remember the exact year, it was like 1904 or mm-hmm. something like that. There was a rumor that someone had robbed his grave. Huh. Okay. And so it, it was like this huge folklore thing. Someone had stolen his body. And so in order to quell the rumors, they exhumed Abraham Lincoln in the 20th century. How did I not know this? This is insane. And there are pictures. So they opened up the casket. And there was only like a small group of people. Just a just a stovepipe hat, like nothing else. Like some family were there, and some obviously yeah. some some officials. And he looked exactly the same because they had been bombed, they bombed him, him so many times, times and mummified him or whatever. On his chest, though, okay, there were these little red, white, and blue specks, and they couldn't figure out what it was. And it was the American flag that had disintegrated. Wow! While his body had remained. Exact. He he looked just the same. He made uh, to this day for all I know. I don't know how that works. It's almost like being mummified. The coolest part of the story was that one of the men who was the official, who he was high enough up that he knew what a big moment this was. Yeah. It was 50 years after he died or whatever. And he brought his little boy. And so that little boy survived like to like 1995 or something. Mm-hmm. So in 1995, there was someone alive who had seen Abraham Lincoln's body. Wow. I mean, it was such a crazy, you know, that was one of those things. If I tell that story, the kids in the class would actually kind of be looking at you. You could tell they were interested in that. You know, that was and That's they, crazy. They I took never pictures heard too. So we, I, we had a, there was a video we had. You can see the pictures of it. I'm sure you can go online. Dude, that's the whole thing too. Even when the flag disintegrates, John, your legacy as a mm. person will live on. Mm. It'll be perfectly preserved. Come on, guys. Even as this 
I don't know. I feel like everything I'd want to say would be inappropriate. So That's I'm like, true. Some of y'all need to exhume. I don't know. It's like a- some of you need to exhume <laughs> things from your past. I tell you what, if Abraham Lincoln would run now, I would vote for him. Uh, if he's that perfectly preserved, let's get him in office. <sighs> Let me tell you something. I have a visceral still reaction to his assassination. Yeah. They started to tell the story. Now, especially all the stuff I've really been studying. Where was the security is what I want to know. Did you just feel like, I can just go to plays. Like, you would never do that now. Well, oddly enough, so uh, Ulysses S. Grant. I don't want to besmirch the detail of the late President Lincoln. I want to say but that. I feel like there was a couple of balls dropped. There were. There were. Now, you know it was a huge conspiracy. Yeah. They were supposed to kill him, the vice president, secretary of state. Oh, right. They were and, trying to overturn it all. And Ulysses S. Grant was supposed to be there that night. And Grant decided to turn down. He decided not to go last second and went somewhere else. Johnson, the vice president, the guy lost his nerve and didn't go. Okay. Seward, the secretary of state or war, I can't remember which one it was. No, Stanton was war or was he Stewart? The guy came into his room and, and stabbed him like eight times. Wow. And But, but a different guy, not Wilkes But Booth. he was in the covers, and he was stabbing, and he never got like a major organ, and the guy got was pretty badly injured, but he nothing Jeez. nothing mortally wounding, and he, he recovered. So Lincoln was the only one successfully, uh, if this I remember is, correctly. This is, this is every guy that's like, I'm not going to some dumb play. He feels justified. He's like, this saved the Republic. <laughs> well, and he had, Staying home from dumb plays saved the Republic, in essence. He had wanted to kill him. They had another plan. Yeah. And I forget what happened, that he didn't show or something. And so he had just found out, like, I think he was drunk in a bar, mm-hmm. John Wilkes Booth, and he'd, like, found out he was going to the play. And, of course, he had access. That's the thing. He was, he was an actor. A super famous actor. Uh-huh. This is like Tom Cruise killing the president of their time. Like, that... He was that famous. John Wilkes Booth was a very, very famous name. It's kind of like people in the older generation, but like Ronald Reagan, president, the actor. Like, you know, right. this was a really well-known person. Um, so he had complete access to the theater. No one would have thought it weird. Huh. And now the detail, I'm not sure. I think someone may have just walked away or whatever. It was just a different time. No, one, it, An American president had never been assassinated. So you just don't have a consciousness, even though you'd think with all the bloodshed and the war. Right. I mean, you got to think about it. No one thought there's no like one, a bubble around him, uh, in essence, without without it being a physical bubble. When Robert E. Lee met with Ulysses S. Grant at Appomattox Courthouse. You know, it, you would have thought you need security for that. Some crazy snipers right. gonna take you out, but no. Like there was an honor to it. Yeah, yeah. That he could walk up and you know they shook hands and I mean talked forever and traded war stories. Right. Diplomacy. And stuff. Yeah. yeah. So there was just a different thing that that happened. But I get when they started describing it, I st- I did. I turned to Laura. I had choice words. I'm just I'm still so like what it did, especially for the cause of Reconstruction mm-hmm. and civil rights. You know, it was it was an unspeakable blow. Mm-hmm. I mean, a hundred and fifty years almost. Or yeah, over 150 years in some ways. Like my gosh, that we set everything back. Stated law. Now he only had four more years as president, mm-hmm. and that happened with with Grant. You know, Grant did a lot. I mean, he was a very progressive president, but he only had eight years, and that's why when the election of 1876, when he was going out of office, that's when they you know, Jim Crow really started. They removed the troops from the South. But I still, I still look at it and go, though Lincoln, like Andrew Johnson, did damage to the cause. Someone made some of the most openly racist statements in any American president's ever said. Basically said black people have never been able to 
to manage or rule themselves that they take. Like it was a stuff wow. he said in state speeches, like just completely, you know, out of line that that affects the national consciousness. This is why we think it matters mm-hmm. what presidents and senators and congressmen and other people say. Like people are listening. You're supposed to be leading. And we have this idea today that, oh, I, I have written my congressman before or who used to be my congressman. And the answer was, well, my constituents want this. And I wrote back, yeah, the, the, the two-pronged thing that you're supposed to do as an elected official is not – you are supposed to listen to the will or the desire of your constituents. But the second thing you're also supposed to do is when there's right and wrong or truth or lies, you're supposed to lead them. Mm-hmm. Like you're elected official. You're not the puppet of the people when right, it suits right. you. You're also supposed to lead them. Yeah, I think when, we forget that sometimes. Yeah, when they have like misinformation – and you have information that's right, right. tell them, even or if it's not. At least not. don't help spread disinformation. Correct. If it's not politically expedient for you, you still do it. That's what you took an oath to do, not right. just to do the will of the people. Yeah. That's that's just like straight up populism, or, or honestly, that's straight up socialism in some ways. Like yeah. just the rule of the people is not how this works. So anyway, I'm on my soapbox now. Sorry. <sighs> Write your congressman, you guys. It works. John got him out of there, evidently, right? You said he's not the congressman anymore. Uh, no, Coincidence? Not, I just say he's not my congressman anymore. <laughs> oh, whoa. Hey. Yeah, he'd have to earn my vote back after some of our hands. interactions. So, but I don't know who. I don't know what's happening. But. I don't know who any of them are, John. Yeah. I, I mean, I know who he is, but I'm just not going to say it. If you if you were talking, you would just say it right now because you like calling people out on the podcast. Bro, I love it so but much. You take that it's huge, all we have. The huge platform we have. And just take people down. <laughs> it is, man. I wield this thing like a sword. Yeah. No, but it's uh, it's interesting, man. It, it, those things still affect us. That Lincoln stuff. They dug up the president. Yeah. That's crazy. Exhume is the fancy word for it. Well. Yeah. But they had to. They were trying to see. And, and now they know that he wasn't, his body's still there and he can rest That'd in peace. That'd be a cool thing to put in your will, too. Hey, start a rumor. Yeah. <laughs> like five years after I'm in the ground. That someone has stolen my body. And then it'll be a whole big hubbub again. Papers come out. <laughs> dig me up. They'll be like, still him, we guess. Uh, Just be goo at that point. Because they won't have embalmed me several times. I don't know. You could request it. That's true. Listen, if you pay for things. That's you watch those, those ancient Egyptian, there was that. Oh, yeah. You seen the one where they found the embalming station in the, like the Valley of the Kings? Uh-uh. They found like... They know these... The pumps and the tubes and stuff? It was a whole thing. It was like a... Well, it was more like... like um, Almost like irrigation tracks. Ugh. More than it was tubes and stuff. But they are... Right now, archaeolo- archaeologists are pulling up how this worked. And it was a whole pay-for thing. It was a huge moneymaker. Because the thought was, I got to look good for the afterlife. Yeah. And if you had the money, then you would pay for extra things. And so they go down and they keep finding these burial chambers of just like rich people, and they could tell by what they what was in there, and also their level of embalming and their level of stuff, like what you would prepay for the afterlife, and it was a huge money making thing. So that was the deal. That was well. It was if you a look business. at funeral homes, it still is as far as like uh-huh. it's nuts when they sit you down and be like, "Hey, we're so sorry about your loved one." Get your checkbook. It's going to oh, be, this man. is going to be really bad. Yeah, as a pastor, I've sat with people a lot of times. A lot of sticker shock when they start rolling out yeah. those like, in this urn, and you're like, that earns how much? Well, the deal is, when you're in grief, though, you're not, right. you're just going to say sure. And you feel weird. You don't want to be like, you don't you're wanna, haggling right, uh, over, over an urn. Uh, yeah. But I always tell them like, hey, it doesn't, you know. Yeah. Andrew's really good about that. Like he, I can't tell all of his secrets, but. 
I'll put it this way: like he, he, he knows, knows how to good get a good deal on. He knows, he knows how to get like <laughs> really awesome, like really well made pine box coffins oh. and stuff that you could find that. He's building these boxes, isn't he? Be honest. Guys, if you want a discount. If you want the best, come on down to Andrew's Casket Warehouse. <laughs> Push, pull, drag your casket on in. Wait. <sighs> oh, goodness. It got dark. <laughs> there was a funeral home that I took a picture of from Instagram one time. I was in like this nowhere town, and it was like, uh, what was it? Yucks. Wait, no, it was uh, Gross's Funeral Home. Gross Funeral Home, that's what it said. Oh. I was like, right next to Yucks Casket Outlet or whatever. <laughs> that was my That was my big caption. Gross Funeral Home. Oh. It's like, yeah, that's... If your that's, last name is Gross, come up with something else. Yeah, just be like, right. you know, whatever. South Oneida Funeral Home, whatever town right. you're in. Don't right. call it after your name if your name does not fit. Oh, beautiful Acres. You know, something. <laughs> yeah, come yeah. up with something creative, yeah. And, and yeah. Well, listener, we hope that you have found what we came up with today is creative and inviting and not gross. We hope that you'll exhume this episode at a later date. <laughs> Listen again and be delighted once more. <laughs> you really can check out our website, though, if you want. Talkaboutthatpodcast.com. Yeah, man, there you can find... Uh, 160 plus episodes yep. archived there right for you. Yep. Binge those bad boys on your road trips and your various uh, July 4th weekend activities. Yeah. A lot of people do binges on road trips, and then some people have gone back. They've already heard it, but there's so much. That's why, like me watching The Office, I can't remember all the dialogue. I remember right. sort of the oh, gist of All the of little it. inside jokes, yeah. little, little asides. Yeah, so I'll, I'm constantly doing it. So, But hey, every time you listen again, it's a new download. Yes, and thank you for that. Thank you for that, and we appreciate we that. We get so much, we don't get anything. No, we get it's still fun. It's, it's all about clout for us. We just want to be loved and respected, <laughs> and possibly exhumed later. It's a lot of clout. <laughs> But hey, do do uh, share it, leave a review, leave uh, five stars, and uh, check out our Patreon account if you'd like to contribute to the process uh, of what we're doing here. Yes, sir. So we continue to move forward and move into a non-COVID reality. I think we are in... I'm afraid to even say it, but yes. Yeah. I'm getting ready to get on a plane. That'll be the first mask I've worn in a bit. Wow. A good bit. Yeah. I'm not afraid of it. I'll wear it. I'll no. have to go find one, well, honestly. Again, introverts... Like masks sometimes. Well, like, uh, I've not had a cold in a long time either, so it's like I think this is there's so, benefits to just not. Hey, let's get on this tube with a bunch of strangers and just breathe on each other. Let's. Occasionally, I go into a Walmart and just put a mask on, even though I'm vaccinated, just because. Yeah, no one can see. It's me. Walmart. Yeah, and you don't want to be seen in Walmart. You think you're better than you think your target people. No, I just want to get in and get. You the, think you're better than Walmart? Get the Blistex or whatever I need and get out. You know what I'm saying? Blistex. <laughs> <laughs> Get whatever oozing sore gel I'm there to pick up. The extroverts are like, ooh, who can I see that I know? You know, and they want, but I don't know. I'm, again, I don't want to. I don't want to be known. I like seeing people. Yeah, from afar. Once I through actually, a telescope. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> <laughs> not weird at all. No, no. Yeah. Hey, guys, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week on Talk About That. I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening.